Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Welcome to See Uncovered. Today we have on Darlene, or Coach Dar, as she is widely known. She is a leadership advisor to top CEOs across the country, a mental skills coach to professional athletes, and an author and speaker. Her new book is called The Art of Bouncing Back. From her experience as a board-certified occupational therapist, to a president of a healthcare company, to COO of a record label, to chief performance officer at a fast-growing jewelry company, to advisor to global leaders, CEO, athletes. Darlene has proven a track record of leading people and inspiring positive change to impact their lives. So welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me today. (laughs) So I always start by asking, it's a little heavy of a question, who is Darlene? You know, I've gotten asked this before, and sometimes I Besides what people put for a title, I would say hope dealer. I really help people have hope and confidence in themselves so that they could step into truly what they're called to. And I know everyone has this gift and this talent in them. I just help bring that out to their fullest potential. So hope dealer, a confidence broker. (laughs) I love I've never heard of those, but I love that. What sparked your passion to get into occupational therapy and how did you get started? Well, my grandfather was in the hospital when I was 16 in high school. I knew I wanted to go into a profession that was going to help people my whole life. I just have always been the kid that really rooted for the underdog or helped people. I mean, I was basically in student council since sixth grade. (laughs) and was president of my class all the way through high school. And so I only say that because it was for me wanting to help people have a voice and step into their voice and help them. So when my grandfather had a stroke and an occupational therapist walked in, but was helping him with his brain, his cognition and his vision and helping him try to rewire and learn again, I was like, what is that? And it just curiosity for me that allowed me to know that that's what I wanted to go into. And I'm grateful because not everyone gets that conviction early on. So to know what I wanted to do right when I went into school was great for me. And then I became an occupational therapist and worked with traumatic brain injury and stroke patients and spinal cord patients. So patients who were told they would never talk, walk again, and we would help them find a new vision and a new focus and create a new normal for them to give them hope to go again, to start again. And not only that, but thrive again. That's so special. For our students that don't know, what is occupational therapy? It's a type of therapy that helps people. Our tagline is helping people find the possibility and the impossible and helping people live life to the fullest. So we're trained to help people both in the mental, physical, and emotional side of recovering in their everyday activities of daily living. So mm-hmm. I meet people in any space and place where they are. So what people have known for years as occupational therapy is you would take care of someone depending on which sector. Maybe it's in the hospital. Maybe it's in pediatrics. Maybe it's in the school systems. But you help them in where they are operating every day. Mm -hmm. I took that and kind of blew that out of the water. And 2008, when I started my own practice, since occupation is meeting people where they are, 
I started meeting CEOs where they are, professional athletes where they are, and helping them with their mindset and cognition. What's now become as mental skills coaching, I was doing very early on when everyone thought I was crazy, like, what is this person doing? (laughs) But I understood very clear about what we were trained to do. And I just took it into the sector that I saw there was a need. What made you want to work in the sport and business space? To be honest, what happened was when I was working in the hospital, back when I was doing traditional OT, occupational therapy, taking care of traumatic brain injury patients, when I was 25, I actually had a stroke of my own. I went to go see a chiropractor. And when they manipulated my neck, they ripped the artery to my brain and I was left with a blood clot. And I share this only because that was a catalyst for me because the blood clot that was left, they told me I could die any day. So when you're told that, you kind of lose all fear at 25 years old. You're like, well, then let's go do whatever we want to do. Which for me at that time, I was like, I want to fix healthcare. I want to go make a difference in this world on like a big level. I just had this, honestly, this gumption to say, I want to go do this. So I went back to school for business and then I was running businesses. And then in 2008, when the world was really going through a recession then, that's when I started speaking for free, started my own practice because I was just called to get to people. I never intended to work specifically with CEOs and athletes, but when I started doing this, they were coming to me. You know, people come and say, hey, I need help with, you know, I can play the game, but I can't necessarily speak to people in public because I have anxiety. Or in the game, I know I could get better, but something's blocking me mentally. Or I would have a family, uh, usually a wife, bring their husband and say, he wants to be CEO, but he mentally needs to believe in himself that he could do this and Mm -hmm. equip himself. So that's really where the niche found me. I didn't necessarily find the niche, which is crazy and beautiful at the same time. But when you're passionate about what you're doing and you have the gifts and the talents that meet that passion, because that's a very important thing for anyone listening. You could have a passion for something, but what if you don't have the gifts and talents? Yeah. Like I can't go become a WNBA player. I'm 5'2". <laughs> I can have passion Same. for basketball all day and I do. I love it, but I'm too short. So that would hurt me. I would be spending my whole life thinking I was not good enough. So use your gifts and your talents to meet the needs, the passions that you have, the world's needs, you will have purpose. And that's what I did. When you started your own practice, how did you get your name out there and the recognition? I literally started speaking for free. I mean, I would hold these nights of inspiration where I would have a couple people speak, then I would speak, I would pull people together and I would just teach. I would teach people the knowledge I have. I would motivate them. I would inspire them. I just needed to get out there. And at that point, yes, you need to make money, but I was not focused on that. I was focused on how could I make an impact? And by doing that, by making the impact, it brought the business. You were the first occupational therapist to coach and consult in all four major leagues, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, and the MLB. What did that mean to you? Grateful, gratitude, Mm -hmm. and also kind of what I was sharing before. I've been a visionary early on in my life. And when you see a need, bring it to the places that need it. And Mm -hmm. by technically pioneering it, they'll say, I would say just by showing up and bringing a gift that I have, I knew I could help people. So it opened up the doors and I was not afraid to go into any arena or stadium or place to help someone. Because to me, we're all humans. 
We are all humans on a human experience trying to get better, to have our purpose, to be the best we can. So I just felt like I was had a gift that I could share with people. I didn't look at it as something I was trying to get to the pinnacle of. I just brought the gift that I had. And for me, faith is really important. And I really believe God just called me to say, show up. People need you here. And I did. And it opened up doors because everyone needs someone. How did you help athletes go from good to great? Their mindset, all in their mindset, helping them believe, helping them have confidence, helping them to be consistent in their mental fitness, to understand Mm -hmm. that working on your mindset, working on your mental well-being, working on your brain health is just as important as working on your physical talent. Mm -hmm. And when you start working on those collectively, you go from good to great and consistently. How did you see also the pressure the athletes had on them affect their mental state? Oh, for sure. It gets to everyone. I mean, you could be the strongest mentally, but there's going to be days where you might just feel a little off Mm -hmm. and someone tweets something or you get put in a pressure situation. But what we try to share is the quote, which is pressure is a privilege. And if you're in this position, it's a privilege that you have. So be grateful for it. Own it. Take it, take the chance because you got that chance. That means that people trusted you to have that chance. So look at it as a gift, not a curse. I wanted to ask your opinion on your thoughts of the NCAA changing its rules to allow athletes to now profit of their name, image, and likeness. And at, at such a young age, how do you see that affecting these young college students? I think like anything, it's a balancing act because... When people start getting a taste of fame and power and financial income coming in at an early age, which remember our brains are frontal lobe, like front is not fully formed until 23, 25, which is executive functioning, knowing to make the right decisions. So when you start getting things early on, you're tempted easier. So Mm -hmm. you really need to have a really good group of people around you to help advise you. Because your instincts sometimes are to spend things as you get them, or ego gets in the way and you start to have an inflated sense of self. I'm all for confidence, like I started, but a humble confidence. I'm not about cocky. You could be passionate. You could say, yes, I'm the best at what I do. I want you to feel confident. I want you to feel comfortable. Just like if you were going to see a doctor who was going to work on you, you'd want to know the doctor is the best that's working on you. You'd say, Mm -hmm. are you the best? And if they said yes, you'd be like, great. So there's nothing wrong with that because you want them to be great. My point is, is you could still be confident and say, yes, I am definitely one of the best at what I do because I work really hard at this and I believe in what I can do to help you. That's a humble confidence instead of someone owes me something. No one's better than us. No one owes us anything. We all have to show up every day and take accountability. So when you could teach people as like, honestly, as the students are starting to get more of this coming in, as long as they have someone that is really advising them and keeping them grounded to understand, how do you really want to show up? Do you want to show up as someone who's going to serve the world and take this platform and do well with it? Or someone who's going to be egocentric and saying, you could serve me. You owe me. No one owes anyone anything. Mm -hmm. So if we could shift their mindsets and get them grounded, we're going to be okay. If someone starts to go a little rogue on that, we're going to have a little challenge. We'll have to reroute. So it's all in perspective. It's in groundedness. It's understanding that there's something way bigger than each of us. And to kind of 
get us back Mm -hmm. to center while still owning what we have. As we know, and this podcast is geared towards high school students, there's a lot of pressure in that age when you're going off to college and you're trying to pick what you want to do. What's your passion? What's your major? For those sitting in seats right now trying to figure that out, what advice could you give them to help them figure out where they're meant to be? You know, it's going to keep evolving. But what I would do is say, start journaling, start asking, start seeking now and start asking people that really know you. What do you think my gifts and talents are? You could do all the assessments. I would definitely say do assessments because there's going to be a common theme. Are you good with your hands? Are you good mathematically? Are you good analytically? Are you good as a visionary? Are you good at creative? What are you good at? And when you understand what you're good at, what you're starting to be good at what you're curious about and what naturally comes natural to you you're Mm going to start to get a little bit of a blueprint and what I say is lean in and explore that you may not know that the freshman year that you go to college but what I would say is if you could get a bit of a sense of where your gifts and talents are a little bit before you could then match the college so that they have like four or five areas that you could maybe step into when you declare your major so that you're not picking a college that doesn't have anything that has to do with what you want to step into. Mm-hmm. And then you have to transfer, which is okay too. So I would just say, see if you could get a head start a little bit and explore it. So when you pick a college, there's options. And then lastly, I want you to know, this is your time to explore. This is your time to go get gritty, to also get messy, meaning try a lot of things. Like if you come up with five areas that you're like, I'm curious about them, go meet with people that are doing those jobs. Go talk to them. Try things out. Get messy by putting yourself into these situations. Messy mm-hmm. means try a lot. It's yeah. not going to be perfect. Perfection is not coming in these years. But what you want to do is just be curious enough to explore so that you could find out what really starts to pull at you going, oh, I really like this. I want to lean into it. And then remember, so many of us take our gifts and talents like I did and start bringing them to different arenas, which keeps us evolving and doesn't get boring. I want to switch gears a little, talk about your book, The Art of Bouncing Back. Did you always want to write? And could you give us a little synopsis of what the book is about? Ironically, when I was in first and second grade, I had a hard time reading. I was pulled out of my reading classes because I was a slow processor and reading. So I had to go to see a special teacher who would sit with me every week and she turned me on to loving reading where I just loved reading. I loved books. I loved being around them. So I started to go to libraries all the time. I mean, I loved going with my library card and reading. And when I was little, my mom worked in this sweet little town, Madison, Connecticut. And as she worked in the summer, I would go to this little bookstore while she worked. And I I just was like literally a playground for me. And I would read. And my mom said to me, you know, Dar, someday your book's going to be here and I'm going to be the first person to buy it. And she three years ago passed away. So the book behind me is hers for her. But I will say that it stirred something in me. And again, it was a passion that I had that in 2012, I started kind of researching how do you write a book? What goes into it? And then I started down the avenue of I'll self-publish and then maybe I'll get an independent publisher. And then I had my third stroke and the process of trying to start to write a book. And so that affected my speech, my fine motor. I couldn't write. I couldn't read. So I had to do all of my own rehab. And when I was doing all of my own rehab, 
I learned that all of the tools that I had been teaching people for 20 something years became the tools to help me bounce back. And that became what was supposed to be a chapter in a different book, the whole book called The Art of Bouncing Back, Mm -hmm. which is the nine principles that I use for myself and for all the athletes and CEOs that I work with on how to build the mental foundation. So when hits come, you are stronger and you know how to bounce back. So that's what it's all about. Finding the ability, the mental strength and fortitude to get stronger mentally. So when the hits come, you're better because we're taught how to get an education, find the degree you like, learn a job, but we're not taught mental resiliency and not only taught it, but then learn how to thrive in the middle of it. That's what this book does. Is there a favorite chapter you have in the book? When I get asked this, it's so hard. It's like picking a child because (laughs) each chapter was so important to me, but I would say a quick one that comes to mind is when you learn how to reframe things in the middle of adversity, you bounce back faster. So reframing would be, say something goes wrong in the day. You don't have to catastrophize that one situation to be, now you're bad. Now you're not going to graduate. Now you're not a good student. Now this friendship is over. Like You don't have to catastrophize just because a bad day or a bad incident doesn't mean a bad life. Like Everything's over. And this is really important. Because we're finding suicide on the increase. And that happens because mentally we see no way out. When you learn to reframe and shift perspective to say, this is a pause in my life, not a period. This is a comma. Hold on. Pain is going to end. And you're going to be able to write a new chapter. You're going to be able to move mm-hmm. forward through this. So when you reframe things, you see them in a different light. You can move forward rather than being held back by it. What advice do you have for women who are trying to break into the business world? I would say do the work, meaning none of us should want to just have a role because we're a woman, because then you don't get the respect when you get there. It's like, oh, check the box. You're in the position. No. Yes, we should have the chance to always have an option to be at the table for sure. So should everyone have the chance. That's what we want. But what I will encourage people is, When you get there, you are fully prepared. So when you start doing the work, people are going, wow, I'm so glad they're here because she is making a difference. She is equipped. She is ready. She is willing to keep learning. She's bringing so much to the table. So do the work to get the skills you need. So whenever you get the chance to break through, to break in, to get the chance to be at the table, to lead a company, to do whatever it is you want to do, you are so ready for it. By the way, you're going to keep evolving and growing. My point is, is just, you will not just sit there going entitled, just bring it to me. No, you will get there and go, I'm ready. And here's why. Let's go. Who are your role models growing up? I know a lot of our students are looking for that mentor role model as they're starting Mm -hmm. their careers. Do you have any that come to mind? Well, first would be my mom, honestly, because she was so resilient and she just taught so much of how to bounce back. I mean, it was incredible how strong this woman was and in a beautiful way where she could be strength and compassion at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I would say she was the first role model for me. And then when I was at the hospital working and I wanted to go back to school for business, but I applied for a very high level executive job at 20 something years old that I was not equipped for the COO of the hospital. She allowed me to come and do an interview for this position, knowing I was not going to get it, but she sat me down to say one, 
I'm just inspired by your ability to want to do this at a young age. And she said, you're not equipped for this. So you need to go <laughs> back to school, but you could do this. You're either crazy enough to do it or you will, or, you know, if you're going to learn something, but she inspired me and she just said, go do it. So she gave me the confidence to go try. And I did. So there's been, and there's been many people that have come along the way that inspired me. Lastly, if you could give a piece of advice to a teenage or college version of yourself, what would you tell her today? I would say that life is going to be so beautiful. But when I say beautiful, it's going to be filled with ups and downs. It's going to be filled with beautiful moments and challenging moments. But I want you to embrace them all because there's going to be moments you're going to think, should I give up? We all get to that point, And there's times that I've wanted to. But the reason we know about the greats in this world are because they didn't give up. They kept going and they inspired us. So I want you to be that person that your story inspires someone else because you didn't give up. So keep going because we need you. I love that. Darlene, thank you so much for coming on CEO Uncovered and hearing about your incredible journey through life and your bounce backs. And for all those, your book is out. I would go on the shelves now because this seems like something you, everyone, no matter who you are, what you do, should read. And Darlene, you have a website, right? That mm-hmm. is the book on there so our students could find yes. You can go yes. to coachstar.com. It's there, but you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, go grab a book and follow along too on social media. It's mm-hmm. at the coach star because I put mental fuel and tips every day on there. And so I just want to pay it forward and keep inspiring people. So stay connected with me there. Thank you again. Bye. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.